Well, hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Surviving Empathy. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Fry Comedy, and today I have my beautiful wife, Rebecca, and you can reach her at Spooky Nerdy Gal. And today we're going to talk about what's called the D Factor. I know I snickered too at first, but what the D Factor is, it's an extension of the episode that we did a few months ago talking about the dark triad of traits. This adds another layer to it. It's called the D factor because it's, it's it's measuring the darkness factor in people. And so we took a test. There's an article involved, and uh, we're going to tell you all about what the D factor is and how it is useful in our society. And then at the end of the day, I'm going to basically tell you uh, why I do what I do, and then we're going to go into uh, how the D factor. That could be used in the real world, in real life circumstances. So that's what I got for you today. It's a really interesting show. I'm sorry I got a little long-winded today, as I, <laughs> I tend to do, but um, it's all here to teach you guys, you know, about humanity and about goodness and about kindness and about forgiveness, but also um, to uh, examine your own humanity and understand where you lie. Are you a sociopath or are you more of an empath? Where do you lie on that spectrum? So that's what this show is all about today. So grab yourself a drink, grab yourself a snack, and let's get started. Welcome once again to another episode of Surviving Empathy. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bry Comedy, and you can always reach me as usual uh, at Chef Bry Comedy on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And today I have my wife, Rebecca Russell, and she's going to help me with a subject that's pretty near and dear to my heart. Uh, Welcome, babe, to the show. Hello. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So today, you guys, this episode uh, was fueled by rage, fueled by passion, fueled by, um, let's, well, let's just lay it out. Uh, So today... We're going to talk, and this is a very, very good episode, because I already planned on doing this episode, and it just seems to really hit and drive home what, not only what my show's about, and what I'm all about, and what humanitarianism is all about, but I wanted to talk about this because it ties in so closely to the subject that we're dealing with today, and that subject is, it's called... The D factor, okay? Now, that stands for the dark factor. So there's new research going on today uh, with scientists in uh, Denmark, I think, and uh, we're going to read you the article, but this ties into an episode that we did a few months ago uh, talking about the dark triad of personality traits, and that dark triad is psychopathy, narcissism and Machiavellianism. Okay. And so what that is essentially is that uh, psychopathy is like sociopathy in that it means that you, you have a reckless disregard for other people's feelings. Uh, Machiavellianism is, is drawn from the Italian word Machiavellian, which is an old timey guy back in the day during the days of Da Vinci. I remember because we were watching that show uh, but Da Vinci, uh, Machiavellian was a, he was a politician and he would do whatever it took to win. And so Machiavellianism is about manipulating others 
You're manip- you're a manipulator. Even if it hurts others, you will do whatever it takes to hurt others. And so that's what that's about. Um, and then, of course, uh, narcissism. Uh, we just went through four years of Trump. I don't think I have to tell you what narcissism is. But yes, it means you have a very high opinion of yourself, whether that be in your looks or your qualifications or whatever. That's narcissism. And we all have those traits in small amounts, just some tip the scale greater than others. And so what this D factor is trying to illustrate, I think, is what is the potential that somebody would uh, hurt or harm others in a situation, okay? And so first, I want to go into the story a little bit. So if you guys, a lot of you probably already know, uh, it's happening all too often in our culture today. And so that's why I don't usually address these kinds of subjects, but it really made me upset. To the point where I actually cried a little bit because I'm so fucking tired of our society uh, being the guardians and protectors of each other. And when their police officers uh, are supposed to be our terror guardians and caretakers, they end up being a bunch of ruthless villains. And that's obviously not always the case. I mean, most of the time, there are such good people out there, good police officers doing good work and Thank goodness for that. But, you know, like the old saying says, you know, one bad apple spoils the bunch. And so the culture of policing has gotten a little fucking weird these days, you guys. And I want to talk about that because what happened was is down in L.A., uh, there was a guy, some crazy person in a store, department store. He was swinging a bike lock chain or bike lock. And uh, was endangering people, so the police were called, and somebody told the police that he might have had a weapon. And so they went in, uh, two-by-two formation, uh, and one of them had a rifle. And so they, 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 they came upon the guy, and there's video of all the body cam footage, but they came upon the guy... And um, there was nobody near him at the time, even though uh, previously, I, I, suppo- I guess he struck a woman. So th- they know that there was something wrong with the guy. Um, but uh, he was completely, uh, everybody was out of harm's way. And yet they fired upon the guy with a rifle. And they ended up, I don't know if they hit him and it went through I him. I think they did. I think they completely missed him. Okay, so they missed the guy with him. the rifle. And it went into a... It went into a dressing room and it killed a 14-year-old teen girl. Okay, now we're getting way too fucking used to this uh, story, you guys. And it's easy in this society to say, well, cops are just fucking evil bastards, the end. But no, it's much more complex than that. Because I think there's a lot of police officers that are just, you know, tired of bad cops giving the culture of policing a bad name. But at the end of the day, it's got to be addressed, man. It's got to be fucking addressed. So so it just, it really pissed me off. And I wanted to talk about it a little bit. And I wanted to talk about why we do this show. You know, it is exceedingly easy in our culture to generalize about everything. And that's the thing about life is life requires nuance. It requires balance. It requires people intelligent enough and kind enough and... Uh, centered enough to to handle themselves under pressure in a situation and these police officers i don't i don't know if it's just that they feel protected because the police culture has become so it's very very difficult in our culture anymore to get police officers um to acquiesce 
uh, when they do wrong, uh, they're protected to a degree where it, they they feel very very comfortable getting away with shit because in most cases police officers are given you know the right of way they're given the benefit of the doubt in most cases and while I think there's a lot of good police officers out there I grew up my babysitter in the second grade uh, Linda Regan uh, her uh, husband was Joe Regan Officer Joe and I grew up with police officers from a very very young age officer joe was a terrific guy he had a talking car for crying out loud he used to come to our elementary school and it was officer joe in the talking car and it was great you know like you know back in the days of night rider you know so everybody loved the t- talking police cars it, it was a thrill you know and everybody you know just the the image of police officers in those days was very positive because you were a peace officer you were not there to hurt and harm. You were there to protect and serve the public interest. Okay. And that's what my military training was too. You know, and, and I got to, when I was going on this rant with my wife, I was talking about the first fucking thing you learn in the military besides shining boots and doing push ups. The first fucking thing you learn when you're a police force is de escalation training. It is the first fucking thing you learn is how to de-escalate because you're not always going to be put in a position to shoot and kill. You're going to be put in a situation where there are civilians around you and you have to be able to determine the good guys from the bad guys. Now, that being said, I don't think this police officer uh, knew there was going to be somebody in the dressing room. Uh, Clearly, it wasn't intentional. But what it boils down to is... You know, we were watching uh, Bo of the Fifth Column. He's a political advocacy guy. He teaches uh, people about what it means to do the right thing in our society. Um, And he's trying to dispel a lot of myths and rumors in our political discourse. Um, Well, what he basically was saying is that in police training, in that situation, they are not trained... To uh, reassess the situation. In other words, once you have, you know you're going into a situation where you have to be prepared to fire upon someone, they cannot assess the situation in order to de-escalate and then change that into a different type of mission. They're prepared to fire. So that's they're prepared all they're to prepared kill. For. That's the only from the get-go, and they really. they have itchy trigger fingers because of that training. And now we, we could go into the psychology of the police officer. We could go into whether or not he's a good man or a bad man or whatever. You know, frankly, if the Trump years taught me one fucking thing is that there's a lot of police officers. The culture of policing um, has gone, gotten a little bit sociopathic. They're there to cover their own ass at the end. And, and, and so I, I've got something to say about this at the end. So I'll save that. Um, because I don't think most police officers intend to, on killing anyone. I, I think it's it's accidental or incidental. But how many times have, have we seen this fucking story play out over and over and over again in our society? Somebody shows up, the police show up, you think they're there to de-escalate, and before you know it, the guns are drawn and they're shooting some motherfucker uh, before they even had a chance to de-escalate. It's like, what the hell is going on here? And with my military training, it really, really frosts my fucking ass to know that police officers um, don't have the fucking wherewithal to fucking be human anymore. What the fuck happened? It was never that way when I was in there. So 
Anyway, so we'll get back to that story, but it really upsets me because um, it just seems like, you know, you call the police in order to de-escalate a situation and they end up antagonizing the situation. And what the fuck is that? That's either poor training uh, or or poor uh, poor staffing. Just hiring people that are there to murder and hurt rather than to uh, counsel and, uh, and, and, and uphold the public trust. Yeah. A lot of them seem to be there to cause harm to kick ass protection. They're there to kick ass. Yeah. That's what the Marine Corps teaches you. Kick ass. Yeah. Except in the Marine Corps, when you're in the Marines, you're there to kick ass because you're fucking put on a desert where all you have to do is point and shoot at the bad guy. And there's no civilians. When you get out of the military and then you become a police officer, that training has to shape your values. And if you don't have those values to begin with, guess what? You're shooting innocent girls in a fucking dressing room and now she's dead. And that, oh, you guys. Anyway, okay. So I have no words. I got no words. Exactly. And I'll say something at the end about that. But remind me, babe, to say something at the end. I'll try. I've got something. But anyways, that perfectly ties us into... Um, this article, because this article is talking about the dark triad of personality traits, but it goes in something even further. And so this is brand new, you guys. This is brand new information. Um, well, the, the, the research was done in 2018, but it's a brand new article, uh, revealing, uh, brand new stuff. And so we wanted to go into that, babe. So I want you to read the article and then we'll talk about it. And then we'll talk about, uh, the test that we took that determines our, uh, because of what it does, the, the, the test. Well, we'll just read it and then we'll talk about it. Go ahead. Okay. I'm reading. Okay. So it was a website called sciencealert.com. And it was written by Peter Dockrill, and it was just released on December 26th, though, just recently. Yeah. So here we go. Psychologists call it the dark triad, which we've talked about, an intersection of three of the most malevolent tendencies of human nature, psychopathy, narcissism, and Machiavellianism. But the truth goes deeper and darker. There's also egoism, sadism, spitefulness, and more. And behind this rogues gallery of all of our worst inclinations on the surface, a central common core of human darkness lies, according to new research. In a 2018 study, psychologists from Germany and Denmark mapped this driving force behind all of our darkest impulses and gave it a name. Meet D, the newly identified dark factor of personality. The theoretical framework of the D factor has its underpinnings in what's known as the G factor, a construct proposed by English psychologist Charles Spearman over a century ago when he observed that individuals who performed well on one kind of cognitive test were more likely to score well on other kinds of intelligence tests, too. In other words, a general intelligence factor could be measured, but it turns out that's not all scientists are able to detect. In the same way, the dark aspects of human personality also have a common denominator, which means that, similar to intelligence, one can say that we're all an expression of the same dispositional tendency. In a series of four separate studies involving over 2,500 participants, Settler and fellow researchers surveyed participants with questions designed to measure their levels of nine distinct dark personality traits, egoism, Machiavellianism, moral disengagement, narcissism, psychological entitlement, psychopathy, sadism, self-interest, and spitefulness. 
To do so, participants were asked to disagree with a range of variable dark statements such as, I know that I'm special because everyone keeps telling me so. I'll say anything to get what I want. It is hard to get ahead without cutting corners here and there, and hurting people would be exciting. With all the responses in hand, researchers ran a statistical analysis with the results suggesting that while these dark traits are all distinct, they all overlap to some extent, owing owing to the central core darkness factor, D, which reveals itself in different ways in different people. Mm -hmm. In a given person, the D factor can mostly manifest itself as narcissism, psychopathy, or one of the other dark traits or a combination of these. But with our mapping of the common denominator denominator of the various dark personality traits, one can simply ascertain that the person has a high D factor. This is because the D factor indicates how likely a person is likely, I'll say likely five times there, (laughs) how likely a person is to engage in behavior associated with one or more of these dark traits. It's pretty provocative stuff, but you don't just have to take the researcher's word for it. You can take the D test yourself. The team set up an online portal where you can measure your own D-score via questionnaire. Why would people want to know? Well, apart from personal curiosity about how dark you really are, the researchers said their findings could one day lead to new discovery in psychology and therapy, advancing our understanding of how we interpret people's malevolent actions. We see it, for example, in cases of extreme violence or rule-breaking, lying, and deception in the corporate or public factors. Here, knowledge about a person's defector may be a useful tool, for example, to assess the likelihood that the person will reoffend or engage in more harmful behavior. And the findings were reported in Psychological Review. Yeah. So so there you have it, you guys. Um, And so we will post a uh, on... Uh, on the episode itself, we'll post links to uh, the online portal so you can take the test yourself. And uh, we will also post uh, a link to this article. It's at sciencealert.com. And uh, yeah, so this is all brand new stuff, you guys. So not only are we now seeing that there's a dark triad, but now we're seeing up to nine traits that... uh, all lend themselves to uh, whether or not a person is going to reoffend or what their likelihood is to want to hurt someone or to at least take advantage of someone uh, that would uh, be harmful to another individual. But it would further their that would their further their agenda or their whatever their purpose yeah. is. Right. So that's what that is. And uh, we took the test. Uh, so there's three versions of the test. There's a 16 uh, questions, 35 questions, and 70. And then uh, what they say is, is the longer the test, the more accurate the score. Well, we 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 got shit to do, bro. We're we're very busy, <laughs> important people. So no, uh, we we took the 35 question test, and uh, we both scored exactly the same score, which is it basically shows you. Um, uh, uh, go ahead and explain the chart. There. Well, it looks like um, looks like the chart goes on a scale from one to mm-hmm. five, mm-hmm. with one being very low on the dark personality traits and five being very very high. Mm-hmm. Um, so, should we say what we got? Yeah. So go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. We each got a, a one point eight, which is right at the very end of very low. So it's, we weren't very low, but we were low. We were pretty low. We were lower than average, but we were. Definitely in the t- uh, bottom 20th percentile. It, it gives yeah. you a number and then a percentage. Yeah. And we were at 20%, which is, 
which um, very low is like 10% or under probably. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> where And then it just keeps going up. Uh, is there more to, to that chart? No, that was all it okay. showed as far as the results. <clears throat> so, so that uh, is some pretty uh, groundbreaking stuff because this later on down the road, as scientists learn more about this D factor, um, it's going to be able to predict uh, the um, what the likelihood that somebody would want to harm somebody or put somebody in harm's way to their own agenda. Now, that could be something as innocent as simply, you know, manipulating someone to get what you want, like a dark empath would do. Uh, but it could go into full-range psychopathy where... Uh, the wrong uh, person could become a police officer and want to do it simply to, you know, to hurt and maim and kill people. To get back at all the people. Or to get back at all the bad people they think are in society. Right. Some, right. Some, some, uh, some, you know, inherently fucked sense of uh, justice, you know. Um, so at the end of the day, you guys, um, you know, we, you know, we, we, Thankfully, we scored really well on the test. I, I was I was pretty sure that I probably wouldn't score uh, terribly awful, but um, but it's an interesting test, and I have uh, some snapshots here. Let me try to find them. I wanted to show you guys if I can find them. Um, do 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 do. Uh, how you doing, babe? Oh, good. <laughs> I was. I'm, I'm wishing for more snow. Yeah, so bit. we're getting we snow a, here, and it keeps. Amount, but. Yesterday, I got really cranky because we were going to go to Chipotle, and uh, we couldn't find. Um, <clears throat> well, they they closed early so that their employees could get home because there's a frost warning. Well, snow <clears throat> warning in a place. That's but not then really it didn't. Snow, but then nothing but happened, happened, and then we were sad. <laughs> Very sad. <laughs> okay. Kept saying it's snowing, it's snowing. It didn't snow. So here you go. Okay. So it's, so when you get the score, it says, thank you for participating. If you like to know more about the Dark Factor personality, take a look at darkfactor.org. And I will post this in my, um, in my uh, brief description of this episode. Uh, darkfactor.org. Or get informative summaries at Scientific American and Psychology Today. Please find your score on the D Factor and every time I hear D Factor, <laughs> I think of that movie with uh, Paul Rudd. He's like, "Yeah, the D. You want some D? <laughs> get some D." <laughs> I was trying not to be a five year old, but I couldn't. I I had to get it out. It was inevitable. Yeah, it was inevitable. The D. It's the D Factor, y'all. Anyway, okay, I'm five. Uh, <clears throat> uh, please find your score on the D Factor. And the specific dark traits, if you completed the longest version below. For all scores, the scale ranges from 1 to 5. Below the score, your relative position or rank, compared to the other uh, 59,100,000 participants of the study, is shown. For example, a rank of 80% means that you score your score is equal to or higher than the score of 80% of the participants. Um in interpreting the results, please note that the participants of this study are not representative for the general population, so that the ranks are certainly inaccurate. Also note that the results can only be reliable to the extent that you responded seriously and honestly, obviously. Okay, <clears throat> so I have a couple uh, questions, a couple uh, examples of this, and I wanted to read them to you. So here's some examples. <clears throat> now, most of these 
questions were much more uh, specific to how likely were you to do this or that? You know, how, how do you feel about, you know, hurting somebody else to get your way? Or, you know, it's, it's talking about your sense of justice, your sense of revenge. Is it just avenging or are you in the revenge territory? You know, and the answers ranged from it was strongly <clears throat> agree, agree, mm-hmm. neutral, disagree, or yeah. strongly disagree. Right. So those Ex- were the yeah. options. Now, the ones I snapshotted here, these were uh, additional questions they asked because they wanted to, they were a little bit more ambiguous even. And these questions are like this. <clears throat> uh, a local clergyman has been abusing children for years. He used his power of his role to gain access to the children. What is the likelihood that you would feel a furious urge to lash out at him? And, um, you know, and then it says not likely at all, rather not likely, somewhat likely, very likely, or extremely likely. Now, any, but my knee jerk reaction is fuck that motherfucker. You know, he's, he's hurting children. Screw him. But I wrote rather not likely. And let me explain my answer. The reason why I posted that that way is because I believe there's redeemable people and irredeemable people. Because another one of the questions uh, talked about a drunk driver and it was a young girl and blah, blah, blah. And <clears throat> so, you, in other words, it's giving you an opportunity to consider the source. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I, of course, I just because I don't want to physically take matters into my own hands doesn't mean that I'm not properly uh, outraged. Of course, I'm outraged. Because I want to see him fired, I want to see him arrested, and I want to see him stand trial. But that doesn't mean that I personally want to have a hand in uh, destroying this person. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? So yeah. so even though you might knee-jerk say, well, of course I want to fuck that guy up. Of course I want to see justice. Of course I want to see him uh, suffer. You know, that's our knee-jerk reaction. But then once you process that through your ability to... Um, l- to weigh the circumstances, it changes. Let me uh, read a couple more here. Um, a terrorist group bombs L.A. Several innocent people are killed. What is the likelihood that you would think the terrorists should be completely destroyed? Uh, not at all to extremely likely, right? Mm-hmm. And I put uh, somewhat likely. Uh, you know, uh, terrorists are irredeemable. Uh the thing I will tell you about writing a book or or writing a script for a movie is that there's a term called irredeemable characters. Once a character has done certain things, he is considered irredeemable. And the only resolve in book writing or movie making is that person not live at the end. Fall off Nakatomi building. Yeah, exactly. Like... <laughs> Right, right. It, like, like if Hans Gruber had not killed uh, that, uh, what's his name at the beginning? I can't remember. Mr. Um, um, the, the boss man. Yeah, I can't remember. The Japanese name. boss man. Yeah. If he had not brutally killed that guy, a case could be made that maybe he's still a redeemable character. But because of his ruthlessness... And because of his cold-blooded murder, he becomes an irredeemable character. And so the only outcome for him is, you gots to go. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's, mo- that's of course, movies and, and books. Because movies and books have to appeal to our sense of justice, right? Because <clears throat> anything else. But life is much more nuanced than that. And that's why I wanted to go into this. Because, yeah. you know. But here, let me read you a couple more. 
You read a newspaper article about an 18-year-old who committed an armed robbery with a handgun. He has been in trouble with the law many times. What is the likelihood that you would feel anger and disgust towards him? And I wrote somewhat likely. Now, somebody might say not likely at all, or somebody might just say only rather not likely. And the reason that is is because of their tender age. 18-year-olds are confused, you know, and then you, it doesn't go into his uh, his history. What if he had mental health issues? What if he was abused by his parents? What if he had alcohol and drug issues? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, right? But but that's the thing about life is there's nuance to life, and it does matter. It will change the outcome of how you feel. When it comes to a dangerous terrorist that are beyond reproach, I say fuck them. Fuck them up and throw them in the ocean, like we did with uh, Bin Laden. Um, but when it comes to somebody, say like, say the terrorist was 15 years old and uh, they were being um, manipulated by a culture of adults and extremists, well, I might be less likely to be so hateful towards that person's punishment because even though perhaps they're irredeemable, um, there might be mitigating factors like age or psychological abuse or something like that. Yeah. You know, in real life, there are in real life. We got to consider those things. Right. Uh, let me read some more of these. Um, Let's see. Uh, you watch a documentary about a radical religious group in another country. They believe that girls should not be educated. A member of the group uh, shot a young girl who publicly spoke against that idea. What is the likelihood that you would feel that the shooter is a vile person completely lacking worth? Now, think about that question. Uh, I said somewhat likely. Uh, the truth is, is I just do not tolerate uh, abuse and murder. Um, it's just irredeemable. The only factors where me, where I think I would perhaps be a little more lenient is like, say, you know, because there was an example here. Let me see if I can find it. <clears throat> Uh, oh, not, not that one. Um, uh, where is it? I might not have it. Let's see. Um, oh, here it is. A fellow college student hit and seriously injured a young boy while driving drunk. She is failing in school, spends most nights partying, and has been caught driving drunk before. What is the likelihood that you would think that she is a disgusting and rotten person? Okay. Now, I I put um, rather not likely. Now, does that mean I forgive her for her shitty behavior? No. What it means is that I'm considering the source. She's a college student. She's young. Perhaps she's been neglected or abused in her past. And so while I do not, and the letter of the law doesn't care why you do something. If you do something, here's the penalty, you know. Hang on, you guys. I got to take a leak. I'll be back. Okay, sorry about that, you guys. Just keeping it real, keeping it real. I don't have to. You guys are my empath tribe, man. You don't, you don't care. Okay, so, so basically, you know, that's the thing is that they're trying to, uh, you know, show stories where, uh, you know, some people will earn your sympathy and some people won't, and um, and that goes into the dark triad very, very much, and. Um, uh, babe, I, I want you to read those traits again. I, I know you've already closed up the article, but can you find the other traits that they talked about? Because I want to go into those one by one, and don't don't take that down. We're gonna need we're gonna need you to list them again and again. I found them. 
Okay, go ahead and say that part again, please. Okay, so the the questions measure levels of nine distinct dark personality traits. Egoism. Okay, so just list them all, and then we'll go into okay. one by one. So egoism, Machiavellianism, moral disengagement, narcissism, psychological entitlement, psychopathy, sadism, self-interest, and spitefulness. Okay, so go to the first one. Egoism. Okay, so we want to just run this down one by one. Um, So egoism, obviously, pretty self-explanatory. We just got through eight years of Trump. Uh, Ego, now, now I've told you guys my empath tribe, you're all you're all like me. You're depressives and you're introverts and you're creative types. And sometimes that can uh, create a, a situation where, um, you know, there's there's nuance to this. Hold on. I got to let my cat out. So with egoism, obviously, you know, there are greater sins in the world than to have ego. I've told you guys that ego, when we hear the word ego, we automatically assume it all it automatically takes on a negative connotation and mm-hmm. i'm trying to teach my empath tribe because they're more naturally uh, disengaged from society because they're shy they're introverted they don't want to go out there and be a big part of things because frankly they've seen enough they're like fuck this <laughs> you know and so i you know egoism is not necessarily a bad thing it's just how much of it do you have yeah. and so i try to teach you guys that you, you know, you got to have a backbone to live in this world. You have to stand up for right and wrong to a certain degree. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, going out of your way and slapping a police officer. That's probably a bad idea. But there are certain, uh, depending on your personality, depending on your strengths, you may or may not want to stand up to injustice and inequality. And so ego um, isn't always just about narcissism, although it can be. If you, it can be, but it can just be self-esteem. Exactly, because you have to have a little bit of ego to do anything in this world, or, or else you would just be a jellyfish. You would have no backbone, no spine whatsoever, um, and not to pick on anybody, but my aunt is kind of that way, is that if some injustice happened to her, I'm afraid she would just sit there and do nothing because she doesn't have a strong not only does she not have a strong will to interact with other people, but she doesn't have a strong desire to live in the real world, nor does she have a strong will to act towards injustice. And so ego plays a very strong factor when it comes to how much you want to participate in this world. And, you know, it's one thing to be jaded and to disassociate. It's quite another when you just don't have enough ego to participate at all because you're denying yourself uh, your own worth and value, you know. And so egoism, yes, plays a factor. But like I said, I think there's that tipping point. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. There's a tipping point where once you get to a certain amount of ego, it starts to become a little bit too much. And that can uh, turn into uh, Machiavellianism. That can turn into narcissism because um, now you're starting to exhibit some of the uh, traits of the dark triad. You know what I mean? Yep. Okay. Do you have anything to say about egoism? Um, not really. Just like I said, it's just it's a range from yeah. having a self some self esteem all the way up to narcissism and right. all those other things. Yeah, so exactly. And like of- anything in life, um, 
a little bit of something's okay. Too much of something might not might be too much, depending yeah. on what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and uh, what's the next one? Next one is Machiavellianism. Okay, so we've talked about this at length. Uh, I have a whole episode, and I will link it in my description. But I have a whole episode that talks about uh, the dark triad, and one of the main three traits is psychopathy. Uh, narcissism and Machiavellianism. Machiavellianism uh, is basically uh, you're ha- manipulating others and taking advantage. It's kind of like uh, I always think about, you know, uh, when politicians step on the rights of the poor and disenfranchised for their own gain. Um, I'm thinking of uh, Kristen Sinema, Sinema right now. When you're getting paid mm-hmm. gobs and gobs of money from some moneyed interest while ignoring the greater good or greater need, uh, that's somewhat manipulative and that is Machiavellian. And that's why we use politicians as an example because Machiave- Machiavellia was a politician in Italy back in the day. And we use him as a class. It's kind of like narcissist. Narci- narcissism comes from Narcissus which is an old fable from Greek mythology, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So at the end of the day, uh, Machiavellianism is, uh, there's not a whole lot of range there. You either manipulate others or you don't. And so that's pretty clear cut, I think. Do you have anything to say about that? Okay, go on to the next one, please. All right, next one is uh, moral disengagement. Okay, so what is moral disengagement, you guys? You know, I've thought about it, and my definition of moral disengagement means that um, you have a value system. You wake up every day uh, with your own moral code, you know, and and some things will pass through your code and some things won't. Um, But moral disengagement for me is when you know something's wrong, but you choose to look the other way intentionally because you don't want to get involved. And the classic case of that is when a woman is being assaulted in the streets. Uh, instead of yelling rape, she would yell fire because she's more likely to get help than if she yelled rape. That's moral disengagement to, to, to my eye. What do you think? Yeah, I think this it's, it's a range anywhere from ignoring mm. things all the way to actively... Going yeah, against a moral code and that or... brings up a very good topic because I've talked before on the show about how uh, we have to choose our battles. There, if you look at all the, if you look at the world, especially as an empath, empaths are hyper aware of intentions and motives. They're hyper aware of bad deeds and bad juju and bad vibes and energy. Um, it gets really super hard for us sometimes to let go of our moral outrage when it comes to a society full of sociopaths, full of bad people, full of bad eggs, you know. And so at the end of the day, uh, we have to learn to choose our battles. Now, is that a form of moral disengagement? I would say that to an extent it is, yeah. Yeah. It can be. But, you know, I, I think what it boils down to is simply trust your instincts. If there's something that's important enough, your value system will tell you that it's important enough. And uh, and then there's just some things that you got to let go, you know, and that kind of goes into and I want to say it now because I don't I don't want to forget it at the end. Um, I wanted to talk about um, there's an old 
Rage Against the Machine song called Know Your Enemy. Know Your Enemy. And we, you guys, whether you think so or not, we are being trained and manipulated by society to to figure out who the enemy is. If you listen to conservatives, the enemy is the liberals and the liberal agenda. If you look at uh, conser- uh, liberals, a lot of times it's the the Trump supporters and the conservative movement. They're they're the they're the bad guys, okay? And I've told you guys that it depends on the circumstances. Of course, it always depends. Um but at the end of the day, Here's something that civilians never seem to learn that I learned a long time ago in the military. The military taught me that there is a bigger, greater threat. There is a bigger, greater enemy than each other out there. And so it teaches you something. It teaches you the value of forgiveness and it teaches you the value of appreciating our differences. Because if you wake up every day thinking that some Trump-supporting dipshit uh, is your moral enemy, you might be a little bit incorrect there. Now, now, if he engages in violent behavior and he's a terrorist, that's one thing. But if he's just a guy, he lacks his Trump hat, and he minds his own P's and Q's like the guy on the airplane, he's not my mortal enemy. And that's why I wanted to point out that he is a classic representation of what I want in a Trump supporter. I Wear your t-shirt. Wear your rat hat. I don't give a shit. Just keep your fucking mouth shut and keep your, you know, mind your P's and Q's. That's all. When you're not engaging in civil disobedience and violent sociopathic behavior, I'm fine with Trumpism because you have every right um, does that mean that I like the movement always? No, not always, because I believe that there's elements in there that um, that are outraging people and, and weaponizing outrage to make people angry, violent sociopaths, and that makes them antisocial criminals. So there is, you can fight the movement without having to fight each individual, you know? Mm-hmm. So, okay, that's what I got to say about that. <laughs> okay. Should we go to the next one? Though? Yeah. Okay. Uh, narcissism. Which we've yeah, narcissism. You know the old story of narcissist. He looked in the pond and he's like, God damn, I'm handsome. And um, and while that's not always a bad thing, um, uh, the problem with narcissism is that a lot of times that can lead to much worse things. Narcissism can cause you to have a higher opinion of yourself than others. And so, unfortunately, narcissism also leads to Machiavellianism and psychopathy. It is a slippery slope. You can be so in love with your own looks or your own self to the point where you actually start thinking that your worth or value is greater than somebody else's. And 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 I think we all kind of do that. I mean, you've I'm guilty even here on the show of saying that piece of shit here or that piece of shit there. We, we have a tendency to generalize about people that we don't like being pieces of shit. And um, it's not that they're a piece of shit. It's that what they did, what they're doing, their actions and behavior is what's shitty. Not necessarily the person, because I believe in equality, egalitarianism. And so if I see somebody like uh, Joe Manchin, who's willing to fuck up this ginormous infrastructure bill because he'd rather, you know, kowtow to the corporations 
and the coal industry because that's going to keep him, you know, happy and wealthy and in bed with those industries. Uh, I have a problem with that. Now, does that mean that he literally is less than me? Not necessarily. I think his family wouldn't think that way. But at the end of the day, I have no problem generalizing and calling him a piece of shit. But me neither. Narcissism. I've done it many times. There's a slippery slope, you know. And yeah. um, I think when I was young, uh, when I was in the military, I remember I went. I was in the National Guard before I went active duty. And uh, it was like my first weekend I was going and I was wearing my uniform and I looked in the mirror and I was like, God damn, I'm handsome. I'm like, I make this shit look good. You know, like the old Will Smith Mm -hmm. quote from Men in Black. And I was just fucking peachy keen on how handsome I was, you know. Now, had I let that uh, get to my head, it might have kept me from learning and growing as an individual, but I learned real quick. Once I got into boot camp and shit got real, I was too busy being tired and sweaty and huffing and puffing to give a shit how I was looking. And mm-hmm. so I was able to forget about how great I thought I was. And I actually learned a valuable lesson in the military that nobody gives a shit what you look like, bro. And that that is why I get so PO'd sometimes about our culture is that we're rewarding beauty more so than we're rewarding quality content. And so, like I use the example of Bailey Sarian, I think she's a great, terrific person, um, but she's also beautiful. And I hope to God that she's succeeding because she's funny and she's good at what she does, not because she's got a banging body and a beautiful face. You know what I'm saying? Doesn't hurt. But, doesn't hurt. Yeah, no, I know. But I, yeah. it seems to me, like, when I see some of these guys on YouTube, for example, that have, like, 26 million views, and they act sort of like Jackass 2.0, you know, I didn't mind when it was Jackass, because they didn't, I didn't feel that they were narcissistic. They were just crazy. Yeah. And they were immature, but, you know, there's a certain level of forgiveness, because, I don't know, at the end of the day, I kind of liked them as people. Mm-hmm. I didn't care for Bam that much, but, you know, all the others, they were nice. And that poor Ryan guy died, and it's unfortunate. But my point is, is that you can be a jackass and still be a likable dude, like Steve-O. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, like, I, like, it's sad that we live in a culture where we can do all these silly, ridiculous things and be- become famous for it. But if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have, uh, who's the leader of that jackass crew? Johnny Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Now, I like the guy. I, I can't help it, but I also believe that he grew up. Do I believe those kids back in the day had um, dark triad traits? Absolutely. They were definitely narcissists. They were definitely manipulators, and they were definitely crazy as all hell. That being said, um, most of them grew up into okay people. Johnny Knoxville seems like a pretty okay guy in my book now. And um, you have to let people grow and grow up. And so, and that goes into what I was saying about a drunk driver. Do I forgive the behavior? No, absolutely not. Um, Especially if they killed somebody. Um, When I got my one and only DUI, when I was 23 years of age, uh, I had to do this uh, drunk driving course. And uh, believe it or not, uh, it was with Christina Ricci's father. 
<laughs> he was my counselor. And uh, I looked him up and uh, yeah, sure enough. But um, but he was a DUI counselor. Good old California for you. You never know who you're going to run yeah. into. But um, but at the end of the day, um, this guy that I was in that school with, it was like a four month course. And it was, uh, you know, it was trying to teach us to did you learn your lesson did you blah 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 you know and he ended up killing someone drunk drinking and driving and um he told me not only the financial cost but the legal cost and the jail time and etc um and he was a nice guy you know that he was not a killer or a sociopath but because of his drunken irresponsible behavior um it made him sociopathic in other words he wasn't a born sociopath, but alcohol made him a sociopath, and that led him down the road of destructive behavior, and he hated himself for what he did. And uh, he's probably still living with that guilt, oh, I would imagine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's the thing about that, you know. You got anything to say about it? I feel like I'm going to sneeze, so. Oh. You want me to Pause. <laughs> I think I'm good. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I think you covered it pretty well. I Yeah. Okay. Go on to the next, please. Um, we were at narcissism, correct? Okay. So psychological entitlement. So psychological entitlement, you guys. Ugh, there is no shortage of examples here. Um, psychological entitlement could be anything as simple as, I believe I deserve fame and fortune more so than others because I was born inherently special. God loves me. The universe loves me more than others. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and that's the thing that I try very hard on this show to show you guys is that I'm not trying to get famous because I believe I have some inherent uh, psychological uh, advantage over others that I believe I'm more worthy. And when I talk about experience... Um, I'm not trying to put down people that lack experience. What I'm trying to say is, is at what point do we draw the line where your experience and intellect and wisdom finally pay off in some appreciable way in our society? In other words, you get to the age where at some point you've got to be, it doesn't mean you're better as a human being than a 17-year-old. It just simply means that why should I be going out for the same fucking jobs for the same fucking pay as some 17 to 20 year old come on get a grip and corporate america does not differentiate and that bugs me it bugs me no it's absolutely true you know and that's that isn't i don't think that even would qualify as what was that word again psychological entitlement so okay yeah yeah. so. so yeah so it could be anything as innocent as some people just and that goes into narcissism a little bit and that which is the next one yeah Oh, wait, no, we just talked about it. I was going to say, what? (laughs) Really? Okay. (laughs) I I guess it's so important they had to do it twice. It's kind of like dodgeball. (laughs) Dive, dog, dive, duck, dip, and dodge. They say dodge (laughs) twice. (laughs) Um, But yeah, psychological entitlement could be anything as simple as, I believe I'm inherently more uh, valuable than another person, which is a form of narcissism, but it could be something as dangerous as uh, reli- religious or spiritual zealotry. Um, it could even go into psychotic or psych- psychopathic behavior where your belief in your um, greatness is so much, uh, so strong that, um, that you hurt and manipulate others to get what you want because you actually don't 
well, perfect example is I just got done watching American Psycho. And he is a classic case of, I believe I'm inherently more entitled than this other person. Mm-hmm. Whether it be the gay guy, whether it be the street bum, whether it be the hookers, whether it be uh, his own co-workers, he has the same level of disdain for one of his co-workers having a better business card than him as he has for, uh, you know, a, a common a street uh, bum who, who wasn't hurting anybody, you know, and yeah. so his... His desire to hurt others is based on his inherent sense of self-worth. And so we have to watch that. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, Do you have anything about that? Um, not really. Okay, go for you, it. You're covering it pretty well. Yeah. Let's see if I can. <clears throat> and the next one, I believe, was psychopathy. They're okay. It's also intertwined and interconnected. Yeah, so, so psychopathy, that... um, there's a lot of different definitions of psychopath, Um uh, you know, psychopathy is very much intertwined with sociopathy. I think the difference being is that psychopaths usually will go to violence, whereas sociopaths often won't. Um, but it's very much intertwined in the sense that you have an inherent sense of, of superiority towards others. You have a basic sense of disdain towards somebody or some group. And you have... um I don't know. There's no remorse. Yeah, no there's you yeah, and, and not only that, you're not grounded in reality. In other words, your psyche has created a construct where you are literally living in a world where you do not understand right and wrong, you do not care about right or wrong, and therefore you will do whatever it takes to get what you want. And another and I just read a book. Yeah. Um, confessions of a sociopath yeah um, and one of the components that i hadn't really thought about before was she said there's literally a lack of fear there's a lack yeah. of yeah. preservation because it's just mm. you're they're looking for the thrill they're looking for the right the adrenaline the, junkies yeah it could and, be a wall street tycoon that loves trading in wall street it could be a police officer mm-hmm. and, and in those cases you might say well so long as it's not affecting their job performance okay fine um, but where do you draw that line? Yeah, because if you're if you wake up every day, you know that was why um, when I was an EMT, you know everybody want everybody who's an EMT doesn't feel good enough as an EMT. They all say they're going to become a paramedic, and there was a paramedic school nearby where I could have gone and became a paramedic. Um, but I know myself; I don't crave adrenaline. Yeah, I used to. That's why I went airborne. But I don't anymore because I, I, I in other words, I, I, I had a small sense of psychopathy. Um, and that's what I say. Like when I get into fights, like real altercations with someone, I mean, it's been years, <laughs> it's been decades, in fact. Yeah. But um, I, when I'm angry, I lose the ability to be afraid. And that is dangerous because. It means that I'm willing to break laws, and it also means that I'm willing to die for something that probably isn't worth it. And so when I lose my fear, I, I'm a force to be reckoned with, sure, um, but at the same time, um, that's what I mean about, you know, stay mindful of yourself. D- don't get so angry, because we all get angry. We all 
feel like life can be unfair, it's very easy to allow that anger to fuel our passion, to fuel our willpower. And while that can be a good thing, if you go too far, you start breaking rules, you start breaking laws, you start uh, um, you start having uh, psychological, uh, antisocial personality disorders. <laughs> and yeah, so you got to know where to draw that line. And yeah. so for myself, um, to this day, when I'm mad, I am fearless boy and i have to watch myself because that fearlessness while works great if you were an actor or dancer on stage um not so great when you're uh dealing with a terrorist with a machine gun and you want to punch him punch his lights out (laughs) and he's got a gun yeah and you're fearless and you're gonna go uh, john mclean on his ass you better watch it so yeah you know yep So, so yeah psychopathy You know, we're, by the way, disclaimer, we are not psychologists. Do not do anything based on what we say. Uh, We're simply giving you a a rundown of psychological terminology so that we can better understand it, so that we can better uh, our own lives and our our own choices. So uh, psychopathy, it's, you know, I have a friend. Okay, so I'll just give you a classic example of what a sociopath is. Uh, My friend... We both got jobs out at the army base and it's because of our uh, experience as truck drivers because it was a motor vehicle yard for the army reserve and uh, it was a good paying job and we were even paid extra because we had class A licenses which means that we have licenses to drive big rigs and so it was a good job in terms of pay um, but we had to drive an hour and 15 minutes every day to get there and it was a 10 hour shift And so at the end of the day, we were just wiped out. But anyways, to make a long story short, this guy was my roommate and um, he was a Marine and he had told me some things that he did in the Marines. And I've talked about not him, but I've talked about how uh, the rigors of war can change your morality where like, for example, a Vietnam veteran could go from an honorable soldier into raping and murdering and burning villages uh, because he's so his psyche is so fractured um, that he loses all sight of of the moral line, our moral compass. You know, okay. Oh. So so at the end of the day, we have to watch it because this guy, we worked this job, and he was getting jealous because I was getting kudos because I was doing a good job and I was clean cut and I was polite and everybody was liking me. And he he had already gotten in trouble once for crashing a Connex box and. He got written up and he was starting to get jealous. And so at the end of the day, one day he comes up to me and he just fucking strangles me in the yard. We're sitting here doing a job. I go, what the fuck? He's like, if you tell somebody this, I'll fucking kill you. And I said, get your fucking hands off of me. I kept repeating, get your fucking hands off. Finally, he did. And he's like, you better not tell anybody. First thing I did is I fucking I told my boss. We called the military police and he was gone, boy. He was fired that fucking day. The point is, is that at that time, at that time, he was reading books about uh, Star Wars, but these were uh, books about the Sith. And he would tell me these psychotic dreams he would have, not dreaming in your sleep, but just having mm-hmm. like he, he desired to be a Sith Lord. Like, for real. Yeah. Like, he loved the idea of being able to domineer and dominate others. And so Mm -hmm. I really believe, honest to God, 
that he, between his sense of entitlement, uh, because he was a Marine and he he was an owner-operator of big rigs before that, he made much better money, and so he had this very high opinion of himself. And while there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I think I'm too good for this job, etc., I've done that before. Yeah, there's a difference between healthy self-esteem and being a psychopath. Right. He walked around like a shit didn't sink, and he was just making more and more enemies to the point where he just decided one day he was going to choke me out. And I actually believe the reason why he choked me instead of clocked me, because I didn't do anything wrong. I was asking him, hey, did you do this? Did you do that? And something about my kind personality just fucking enraged him and he went for the throat he and i believe he did that because that's what siths do mm-hmm. you've seen it in yeah, star wars, in star wars yep. they choke yeah, each other yeah. out yeah. um but yeah that's what he tried to do is choke me out and he lost his job and thank goodness for that and uh i moved out but anyways the point is is that psychopaths exist in our society um donald trump is a psychopath but he's too much of a coward to hurt others he would just rather have others hurt you yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. what January 6th. Oh, I'll meet you over there. I'll meet you over there. And then he walks, he hightails it over to the White House to watch on television. Yeah. What a fucking coward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the point is, you guys, is that we're not fighting against Republicans. We're not fighting against uh, Trumpism. We're fighting against antisocial behaviors that are twisting and contorting our justice system into, and perverting it. Um, where they, their, their highly aggressive authoritarianism is, is creating a, this weird rich vein of fascism in our society where they want to own and control us and they want to control us through fear and intimidation. So that is why it's psychotic. It's not that we want to punish people for being other or punish people for being different. We want to punish you because you're sociopaths, you're psychopaths, and you don't know where the line should be drawn, and you're breaking laws for your own needs. And that's what we're fighting. We're not fighting people because they're different than us. You know, It's not about Jangoism. It's about fighting things that are regressing our society and what we're fighting is for progress and humanitarianism. So, anyways, yeah, absolutely. Anything else on that? Is that is that the end of the list? No, we still got oh, three more. Go ahead. <laughs> Next one is sadism. Okay, so sadism. We all know, you know, there's sadism and there's masochism. Sadism is the desire to inflict pain or torture upon others. Uh, it's it, it's it's an early sign of psychopathy. Uh, especially if you're a child, children who uh, hurt and maim uh, animals, we know, oh, we got a serial killer in training here. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I was that kid that put Band-Aids on caterpillars. <laughs> <Right>? yeah. <laughs> I was the opposite. Yeah. I wanted to heal baby yeah. birds. I wanted to heal birds that had fallen out of yeah. nests. Um, yeah. And so that really goes into it there. Um, there's a There's a guy I know. He's... Everybody loves him, too, and I'm not going to name him because a lot of my followers know who this person is, uh, especially my followers that went to high school with me. But he he was in the Marines, and he became a sergeant, and he was an honorable discharge, and everybody loves him because, oh, he's just the living embodiment of patriotism and duty. Um, and while I try very hard to think, well, maybe he's changed, he's grown, um, I know stories about him where he... 
He's buried cats in his yard and run them over with lawnmowers. Okay. He, I went to his house one time and I don't remember the circumstances. He was a friend of a friend and he's pulling dildos out of his mother's drawer, showing us getting a big kick out of it. Now, kids will be kids. And I don't believe that there is enough to label him a psychopath, but I've seen the guy in fights. There was this one time he was making fun of some Chinese kid and, uh, the Chinese kid knew fucking karate or something, some martial art, and he whooped his ass. I was like, fuck yeah, you know, this guy deserved it. But then, you know, many years went by and he grew into a big, big guy, huge man. And, um, and, and you know, his, his family, because he has a sister and they're very well known in our circles. Everybody knows him. Everybody's Facebook friends with him. But I refuse to be his Facebook friend because I know what's in his heart as a, as an empath. I looked into his heart and um, I see his dark passenger, if you will. And I don't like it. Now I can forgive Dexter because he's got a code, but this motherfucker doesn't have a code at all. And, and while he might've grown and maybe he's changed. um, I also know he's a Trump supporter. Um, I have a tendency to believe that he is still psychopath just that he learned to channel it in positive ways. And while that's a good thing, I would imagine, um, mm-hmm. it's only a matter of time that he's uh, willing to hurt or, or, or at least fuck somebody over, if not kill someone. So I, I do yeah. not trust him. No, I don't blame you. You know? No. So. And yeah, anybody who inflicts mm-hmm. pain on anyone or anything. Yeah. Gives them pleasure. It's just, yeah. Unless pe- it's in a, like S and M. That's a well. A that's, that's a consensual. A, yeah, consensual. It's exactly. consensual, right? But right. But when it's when it's <clears throat> yeah. done, when it's in not a consensual way. and yeah. it's hurting others, yeah. And yeah. and so the clear sign, you guys, of course, is that um, anybody who gets a thrill out of hurting others or hurting animals, run away, because yeah. Yep. Okay. That's what was the yep. word there. Sadism. Sadism. So sadism, yeah, just means that you you get a big thrill out of hurting others, and masochism means you get a big thrill out of being hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when a exactly. sadist meets a masochist, it's it's like it's like heaven on earth because you've met your <laughs> <laughs> you met your match. Uh, yep. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Next to last one is self interest. Okay. So self interest, we all levels. have it. Yeah, there's different ranges. And we ranges. yeah, and we talk about that a lot on this show. You know. Do I have a self-interest in uh, becoming an entertainer, becoming a voice artist, uh, helping people, becoming somewhat of a motivational speaker or influencer? Yes, I do. There is self-interest in what I'm doing here. That being said, I have a problem with a lot of the ways people get famous nowadays because it feels like they're getting famous when there's, it's not entirely deserved, you know. Uh, when you get famous because you're beautiful or when you get famous because um, you are um, minimizing uh, the, the, the psychopathic traits in others. In other words, like these YouTubers that, who pull stunts and stuff, I think there's a fine line. You know, the same with Jackass. There's a fine line between become, becoming an entertainer uh, simply because you're, you're a cut up and you're an extrovert and you just want to have a good time. Um, I find a lot of narcissistic... Machiavellian psychopathic traits 
in a lot of these people who desire to be famous because they have an inherent sense of entitlement. They have an inherent sense of self-interest and self-worth. They think they're better than everybody. And I have a problem with those well, types of using people. Well, that example, there's, there's, I don't even remember their names because I'm not interested enough to remember their names, mm-hmm. but those, those twins. Like in the difference between yeah. the jackass guys and these guys, the jackass guys, what they did was just they would hurt themselves. Like yeah, it was just right. They, they were, were like stuntmen, if you will. In danger, but yeah. But with these guys, I remember <clears throat> a couple months ago reading a story that one of them thought it'd be a great idea to go on driving on a beach that was a protected area because of endangered oh, species of birds, yeah. and he thought that that was just the just funniest, the funniest stunt thing, to do. right? And that's yeah, didn't the they also go to the haunted forest in Japan forest and deface some stuff? Aika Gahara, I remember it. Yeah. yeah, they did. Yeah, so they so they could find people that had killed themselves in the forest. Isn't they Jake? They could, and then they, yeah, I think, yeah, one of them is named that. I think. Yeah. But yeah, so capitalizing on. The pain of people who right. committed suicide in order to get views. Right. Like that's and so absolute self-interest and narcissism and psychopathy. Yeah, and exactly. Right. And I agree. And I think there's a fine line. Um, I, I, I saw this YouTuber that was uh, YouTube has a new algorithm where there's a part where it says, uh, you know, here's some of our top YouTubers and it will show you trending pages. And I, I found this guy. Uh, his, he's a Canadian guy, uh, Connolly. What's his name? Uh, Jacob Connolly, I think. I don't remember. But anyways, Connor, yeah, Connor. Now I'm thinking Connor McGregor. Uh, (laughs) anyway, the point is, is he's Canadian and he, and when I, whenever I see 2.4 million views, I go, Oh God, here we go. Because I have a problem with like TikTok celebrities. I have a problem when people are getting famous because you're attractive and a lot of times i think the people who are getting famous on youtube and on tiktok and on snapchat are getting there because they're 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 pandering to people's worst instincts and i i don't like that because it's teach it's it's inadvertently teaching people to disregard your own moral values your own ethical values and so at the end of the day i can't stand people who get famous uh, doing awful things because I not only are they they themselves unworthy, I think, of fame and fortune, but they're also teaching an entire generation that it's okay to be narcissistic, that it's okay to hurt others, that it's okay to be um, dismissive of other people's feelings. I find that just wrong, and so yeah, I I um I have a big problem with celebrity culture in that. Regard, And so that's what I mean, you guys, when I talk about celebrityism, I'm not jealous, um, but there is a certain amount of self-promotion. There is a certain amount of, of, of Machiavellianism, if you will. Um, but, but then there's a lot of celebrities who've been famous for so long. They've really learned uh, to be humble. And, you know, does that mean that I don't find it inherently unequal and, and wrong? Yeah, to a point, but you know, there's a certain amount of forgiveness. Like I said, nuance and particulars mean everything. The particulars matter in all of life. And so there's, of course, a fine line between ego and narcissism and extrovertism and psychopathy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, that's what, that's why this show is trying to teach everybody where to draw the line for yourself. 
I don't want to tell you where the line is. I want you to learn where the line is, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So. For sure. I'm done. Okay. All right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> was there let's one go, more? There's one more. Yep. Wait, wait, wait. More. What was the word again? Why do I keep forgetting the word? Self-interest. Self-interest. So, yeah, at the end of the day, you guys, um, especially if you're introverted, especially if you're a creative type, especially if you're naturally shy or something, um, it's okay to have a little self-interest because, you know, the other day I was getting really down about, you know, the the, the, the fact that I feel like sometimes I'm you know, people are just so hard to entertain anymore. People are so judgmental that I'm afraid that I'm going to lose more followers than I'm going to gain uh, because of the values or the lack of values that society at large are learning in our discourse. And so at the end of the day, I'm afraid I'm going to lose people uh, because I'm not uh, pandering to their sensibilities. And, and, and I'm afraid as an old soul that, Young, young souls, new souls don't have the wisdom, don't have the intellect, don't have the value system to stick around and understand what I'm all about. They're just like, uh, oh, I'm bored next. And so I'm afraid that I'm going to lose people. And I get discouraged sometimes wondering whether or not, because just because I'm an empath doesn't mean that I understand to what degree this world is becoming a sociopath. Like, yes, the world is a sociopath, but I, reserve hope that more people than not are basically inherently good. Um, but we have to uh, create movements, you guys, uh, to deprogram and deconstruct so that people don't always give in to their worst impulses. That's what's wrong right now in our culture is I think everybody's getting fucked over by a, by, by a system that's taking, 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 um, that everybody becomes, well, fuck it. I guess I'll just take, take, take two. Um, and so I, I said something on Facebook the other day about how I was feeling discouraged. And then my friend said, well, you know what? You do literally give too much of yourself to others. Um, maybe it's time to get a little selfish. And, and, um, there's an old term in uh, baseball called getting greedy. Um, when you're a baseball player, you want to get greedy for extra hits. You want to get greedy for extra bases. If you can, you know, steal a base, go for it. Get greedy, get greedy. So that, is a good thing, I think, in, in terms of teaching good people, shy people, creative types, introverts, uh, awkward people. Uh, those people need to learn a little bit of extra willpower, a little bit of extra worth, um, because when they don't have enough, they don't stand up for themselves, and they don't go out and take what they want out of life. Um, but in this world as a whole, I would say there's too many people out there that are turning into sociopaths because... It's all about me, me, me. They're all about being selfish and self-centered. And that's being self-centered isn't always a bad thing because we, at the end of the day, have to look out for our own best interests. But too much of self-interest creates a world where nobody cares about um, doing the right thing. Nobody cares about, uh, you know, I, I always say that the, the, the hippie movement is over, man, and people don't care about civil rights People don't care about the rights of others. And while that indifference uh, might not harm them, um, it, it the attitudes it creates could harm society as a whole if too many people become self-interested and aren't. Because think about this. I mean, you guys may or may not care about, like, social justice. Eh, I'm white. Eh, I got a good job. Eh, what do I care if you know, there's enough social justice in the world. Well, 
It's all fine and dandy until that focuses on you. In other words, what if we became a more punitive society? What if we become a more, a less equal society and corporations become more and more uh, tyrannical and, and more and more strict in their laws and rules and regulations? And you're fine with it because you've got a good job and you're fine. But then one day you lose your job and now you've got to go work at one of these companies. And guess what? Now, now it's affecting you. In other words, we're fine with laws that don't affect us. We're fine with standards that don't affect us. The moment they affect us personally, guess what? Oh my God, outrage. Yeah. And it's like, well, where were you last year when you had your good job? And so in other words, even if you, are a good person, even if you have a good job, even if your life is perfect and precious in every single way, if we're not fighting for um, equality and social justice, you may as well be on the side of, 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 of the tyrants and the, you know, those who are exploiting our worth. Yeah. Doing nothing is akin to doing something wrong. To advocate. I mean, not advocating for it, but allowing it to happen. Exactly. So that's all I'm trying to teach is, understand where the line is i don't want to tell you where the line is you're a grown-up you're a you're a good person all of my empath tribe especially anyone listening to this you're all good people but i want you to have good self-esteem and i want you to go out and be a go-getter and i want you to earn your keep and i want you to you know grow and learn and understand the value of money understand the value of a job pay your dues but then like i said when you become 50 like me you know what you're gonna still be doing the same job working a cashier at Lowe's uh, when you've been there for 27 years? No, you're gonna want to move on to better things, and that's nothing against Lowe's, or excuse me, that's nothing against the people doing those jobs. It has to do with corporatism is letting people uh, feel that it's quite all right that inequality exists so long as it doesn't affect me, and that is a that's a sociopathic tendency, and I don't like it. Yeah, no, I agree. You know? Yep. So, is there any, was there one another more. one? We're almost there. All right. The very last one is spitefulness. Okay. So, spitefulness, you know, again, zero to ten on a scale. A little bit of spite is one thing. A lot of spite is, is becomes illegal and dangerous. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you guys have heard me talk about my dentist and the way they treated me. You've heard me talk and tell stories about friends who have not come correct and haven't been all that kind to me. And you might have detected a little bit of spite in my voice. Guess what? I will not apologize for that. Um, There is a certain amount of self-esteem we should all have within ourselves where a little bit of spite is okay. Too much spite is bad. And and that's where like we were talking about standing up for yourself at work. Um, you have to have spite for some people because not everybody comes correct. Having too much spite can actually be a disorder. And, um, you know, that's what I mean about I'm not fighting against Fox News. I'm fighting against what they're espousing. They are radicalizing, teaching people that it's okay to be spiteful and to go to the grocery store and start fights and arguments with people simply because they got vaccinated or simply because they believe in Uh, vaccination science jesus fucking christ first of all this is not a uh, political thing this is this is a health and safety thing and when it becomes politicized 
then it becomes, uh, you know, inherently not only it became it becomes all the traits we just talked about. Yeah. And so what we're fighting is not we're not fighting conservatism. We're fighting for the heart and soul of this country. And, and, and in that, we're fighting for the heart and soul of people who become our leaders. They are our moral leaders. And when they lack heart, when they lack compassion, yeah, it, it sounds like all fun and games when those people hate the same people you hate. But what happens when they um, finally point the finger at you? Not so fun anymore. So, and, they, and everybody thinks that they're the exception. And so that will leave me with what I want to say at the end. But um, do you got anything to say about that? No, that was that was pretty much it. What I mean, was the just, last word? Spitefulness. Spiteful. So just, just yeah, you be know, a dick. <laughs> don't be a dick. I, yeah, it comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. So spite, you guys. There's a fine line between um, fuck that guy and getting up and shooting somebody. You know. And spite working can, against somebody. Well, yeah, and when you talk, when you think about the, um, I'm not a religious person, but uh, we, we you, they talk a lot about the um, the deadly six deadly sins, seven deadly seven, sins, seven deadly sins, and one of them is wrath. Okay, so that's what I think Fox News is doing, and I'm not picking on conservatives. I'm simply illustrating an example that they are trying to be make you wrathful. They are trying to make you scornful. They are trying to make you um, uh, hate the slothful. And and so they're manipulating your uh, Christian values to a point where you forgot to be Christian. Yeah. Turn the other yeah, cheek. Absolutely. And so you cannot be a Christian. You know, it's like all these hateful Christians. Uh, you are missing a key fucking point, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, anyway, so yeah. Um, <clears throat> did you have anything else to say? I don't think so. I think we, we so got all the nine traits. So we yeah, so those are the nine traits, and those make up basically the dark triad plus plus six. And any one of those traits uh, could be a, a problematic. Uh, most people, most most psychopaths, most sociopaths have a number of those traits. Uh, usually narcissism, usually Machiavellianism, usually spite. And so we cannot uh, create a society that's spiteful towards others because even though that might win them elections, we have to live with these fucking people. And so my problem with it is is that uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, at the end of the day, doesn't have to live with these Fruit Loops. You sit there and talk all this shit and you radicalize these people, you get them all fucking riled up. And first of all, they're not losing their rights as much as they are, as much as they're told they are. No, and and secondly, they're politicizing a, a, an action. Mandates are temporary laws that go into effect to benefit everyone. They're not here to benefit liberals. They're not here to benefit conservatives. They're here to benefit everybody. And so a mandate is a temporary law set in place based on a set of mitigating circumstances that has presented itself. So the mandate is law, you guys, and, and it's just a temporary one that will be lifted as soon as certain standards have been met. Okay. Now, I, it always strikes me funny because at the end of the day, why are all these conser 
conservatives upset that they have to wear a mask or be vaccinated. They have a vaccination card since elementary school. Mm-hmm. They've been vaccinated yeah. their whole life, and a good many of those were in the military. And I can assure you that I had more shots in the military than, well, not only shots of booze, but I've had more <laughs> shots in the military than I can shake a stick at. So the point is, is that um, you can take some, you can take what I quote unquote Christian values, and you can uh, c- uh, contort those to make people have a contorted sense of self where they believe that they're superior, where they believe that they're more valid. And so uh, the problem we're having with Christian values is that, and that's what that test was trying to talk about, is that where do you draw the line between hating terrorists and hating your own brothers and sisters and neighbors, you know? Yeah. And and so I believe it, it it comes down to, uh, intention uh you know if, if a priest has been molesting children for 30 years fuck that guy i say throw him in jail and throw away the key um but in the case for example of a college kid who has a dui who accidentally kills someone they might have a history of abuse they might have mental health problems and they definitely have a drug and alcohol problem now i i don't forgive the the action or the behavior but I might consider the fact that perhaps they're young and they still have time to grow and learn and they can become better people. It's called rehabilitation. And that's what our justice system forgot to do. Most criminals going to jail become better criminals in prison than they ever could in the streets. And so at the end of the day, we don't want punitive societies because punitive people become punitive. When you are mistreated at work, and then you go home and abuse your wife or kick the dog or something, that uh, raises the chances that that dog goes out and starts biting cats and biting children, or or your wife uh, takes a gun and shoots your ass someday. Uh, you might get a Lorena Bobbitt situation happening. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is, you guys, is that at the end of the day, any one of these traits could be harmless. A mixture of those traits are probably problematic, um, but all these traits, um, it, it takes a certain amount of ego and it takes a certain amount of uh, sense of justice to fight for what's right in this world. But knowing where that line is takes a lot of factors. It takes an inherent sense of kindness. It takes an inherent sense of equality. It takes an inherent sense of understanding the line between right and wrong. And while you may want all pedophiles to die, I might agree with you, we have to create laws that are fair where the the, the punishment fits the crime. Uh, and so if somebody killed somebody drink, drinking and driving, um, if it was somebody who was on their third DUI and they're chronic alcoholics and they just refused to get help, I might think more severely of that person than I would a college kid who... Um, you know, was turning to drugs and alcohol because of a mental health condition, uh, who fucked up and uh, hasn't uh, all the time in the world to grow and learn and become a better person. So that goes to what I was saying uh, at the end uh, when we were talking about this little girl, this teenage girl who got shot. Now, I know that that police officer did not intend to kill that girl because she was 
behind a dressing room. He didn't see her. He didn't know she was there. So clearly there was no um, purposeful intention there. No. But you missed the your target knowing very well you're in a fucking department store. With people hiding. With people all hiding all over the place. Yeah. So you had to know that there was some risk there. You didn't care. And you didn't care. Exactly. And so that's what we're trying to get rid of with police. We're not trying to get rid of police culture. We're not trying, you know, I get the thin blue line. We had a thin green line in the military. Our military personnel come first and then comes the protection of, well, like firefighting. First comes the protection of people, then comes the protection of property. Okay, people always come first. And the same goes to the military and the same goes for the police. And so my big beef with this is not the fact that uh, police have to engage in policing. It's where do you draw the line between um, doing the right, you know, protecting people and simply looking for any excuse to, to fire a weapon. And so if you have a guy who was in the military who never t- learned right and wrong in the Marine Corps and all he learned was kill, kill, kill. Well, here's a perfect example. When I was at MEPS, I was going into active duty military. There's this dude, and he looked like Rowdy Roddy Piper in terms of how he dressed. He was wearing this like white T-shirt with this, like literally a kilt. And he was just going on and on and on how he wanted to go kill folks. I want to kill, 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 kill. And I looked over at my friend. I said, that's why we're going in the Army instead of the Marine Corps. Now, that doesn't mean I've met plenty of good Marines honorable Marines, peaceful Marines. So don't get me wrong. But my point is, is that the military, when it fails to identify psychopaths, turns good, good, good intention people into bad intention people. Or in other words, it takes people who have a psychopathic tendency and turns them into full blown psychopaths. And so the well-trained psychopaths. Well-trained psychopaths, right. So they get out of the military, and they, of course, a lot of them go into policing, and then they become bad cops. They're not good at understanding where the line is. They're not good at peace. All they want to do is, you know, they have itchy trigger fingers. And now that kind of goes into that case with that woman who accidentally killed that man because she was going for her taser, but she went for her gun. She shot that guy. Now, she was found guilty of manslaughter. I do not believe that she's racist. I do not believe, at least it's not proven. It's yeah. not proven that she's, no it was racially right. motivated. And I do not believe she intended to kill that person. That's why she was kill, uh, convicted of manslaughter instead of murder, because there was no intent to murder there. That being said, she still did it. And that's a lack of training. How do you not? She was a 30 year veteran and she was training someone that day. Exactly. She was a trainer. Right. And and now everybody has a bad day and everybody screws up. But the way I see it, when your bad day ends up in the killing of somebody else, you, yeah, she, she should have thought. I mean, because here's the difference. If that man was pulling a pistol on her and she didn't have time to think and she just grabbed for her gun and she grabbed it and killed him. Okay, fine. How she was not put in a life threatening position to have to act that quickly to make that mistake in the first place. So she grabbed her 
she meant to grab her taser. She grabbed her gun. She pulled the trigger before any, before she had a chance to think about what she was doing. I, I believe her intentions weren't to, I, I, I don't believe she's a bad person is my point, but she did a bad thing and she deserves to go to jail for it because she ended a fucking life. Yeah. Now, I don't believe it was racially motivated. I don't believe that she was an abusive police officer. She probably didn't mean it. Um, my, my real problem with it is that with that training comes responsibility. Uh, police officers, soldiers, EMTs, firefighters uh, are held to a higher standard in our so- society than civilians. And that's what I mean, you guys, when I talk about civilians don't always understand what it means to to, to have a brotherhood, to, 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 to have a kinship. Now, that doesn't mean that civilians don't have that. All it means is that civ- uh, civilians aren't held to as high of a standard as non-civilians. <clears throat> and so in that position, she's not a civilian. So you are now held to a higher standard. And so my problem with the police culture nowadays is that uh, police unions should not be uh, fighting to get police officers off the hook, it depends on the circumstances. And so I find the police culture is trying to, um, they're trying to keep the status quo of bad training because they're either too stoic, too arrogant, or, or too, uh, narcissistic to believe that, that they can do wrong. And so they're too arrogant to believe they require better training. And they hold themselves to a lower standard because if a civilian did what they do, they would be right be all over. Them. They'd be all over them. Right. And, and so it's a do as I say, yeah. not as I do mentality. And I truly believe that might does not make right. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, that's what I have to say about that is that is that these officers, there's body cam footage. Uh, Bo, the fifth column, believes that they will not be charged because technically they were within their uh, lawful rights. But law, there is a distinctive difference between what's in your lawful rights and what is the ethically correct thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, he probably will not be charged. He probably will not be fined. He probably will not lose a day's pay. I hope that family sues the shit out of the department. Yeah, and- because what we want at the end of the day is we do not want to hurt police officers. There are good police officers who suffer at the hands of bad police officers because one bad apple spoils the bunch. And so what we're talking about is a culture. And so what what am I trying to do? I'm trying to create a culture of kind-hearted, sensible people who think about others. Okay? And so what I want in police culture is I want police to be like they used to be, kind-hearted peacekeepers, you know? Not SWAT team members. And that's not to say that there isn't a distinct need for SWAT. It just means that if you're in a situation and your training tells you to engage, but does not teach you how to reevaluate and then disengage, then there's a problem with your training. Mm -hmm. Or there's a problem of hiring people that probably shouldn't be there in the first place. Psychopaths sociopaths, uh, intellectually and emotionally immature people who do not, uh, cannot assess their own uh, need for change or growth. And that is the problem with most of society today is that sense of entitlement. What was the one of the words that you used 
the sense of int- <clears throat> uh, let's see psychological entitlement psychological entitlement which means that some people can justify anything because they believe they're inherently entitled they're inherently superior donald trump is that he inhabits all nine of those characteristics and that's why he's a dangerous uh, predator it's not because uh, oh i've got a problem with trump i don't give a shit if he's an asshole i don't give a shit that he had a tv show i don't give a shit that he's wealthy what i have a problem with is that he is instructing people to uh, listen to their worst instincts. And when you do that, you are radicalizing society, and that has lasting effects. When Donald Trump dies, it may take a generation or two for what he taught their his culture. It may take a generation or two to undo the damage he's done in terms of the self-entitlement that people feel, the white self-entitlement whether it be wealth entitlement or white entitlement or political entitlement or whatever the case might be, that's what we're trying to fight, you guys. We're not fighting people. We are fighting mentalities that lead to bad results and bad regressive outcomes, you know? So, But the D factor, what, what do you think? It's interesting. It's, it's just, yeah. yeah, it just adds upon what the norm, the usual dark triad is yeah well that's why i wanted to do this show because i'm like wow i just did a show about this Mm -hmm. great yeah there's more it's almost like part two i wanted to continue the conversation because um it just kind of expanded upon it and i'm glad they were i'm glad they added those other terms um because i think you know out of context the words don't have a lot of weight Mm -hmm. but when you start adding more terms um, it, 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 there's, there's a differentiation there where you start really understanding, um, that Machiavellianism might sound like manipulating others, but then when you use the word spitefulness or entitlement, ah, now you're starting to see a psychological understanding of intention and that's what it's all about. And I've always told you guys from day one, energy is in, is intention. And so, um, my best friend has a neighbor, uh, who was a, a retired police officer. <laughs> and, uh, we were talking once about, uh, my job when I worked at Target. Uh, I had to quit because my boss, uh, it was a security job and he was a narcissistic sociopath. And I quit because, um, he didn't understand where the line was. He'd call me all hours of the day. He'd ask me why I'm sleeping. He'd, say all these things he was just he did not understand couth he did not understand privacy he did not understand other people's right to exist and so at the end of the day <laughs> we were talking and and uh, that was back in the day when police officers were were a welcomed uh welcomed guest you know oh the cops are here thank goodness we should not ever get our society to a point where uh, police officers are no longer welcome, where we have to worry about them doing more harm than good. Fuck that shit. Yeah, it's wrong. And so hopefully, you know, and that's the problem, you guys, when you think about the injustice of all the things that police officers have been doing uh, to hurt people lately. um, Yes, there is probably a rich vein of Trumpism involved in this, um, psychopathy and the psychopathy of police officers but that doesn't mean that we can't 
eradicate the bad eggs, not necessarily Trumpers, but, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of Trumpers that are cops that understand where the line is, I would hope. Some don't. Uh, but what it's about is creating a police culture of uh, where we can depend on them again, where we can trust them not to show up at our house and shoot our teenage daughter just because she's having a psychological breakdown or to shoot an autistic kid who's having a fit of rage or to shoot a drunk person who, uh, you know, is down on his rope and at the, you know, down on his rope and at the end of his wits end. And then they come in instead of counseling they're Oh, we see a threat and they just shoot him like, like they're fucking ed 209 and Robocop. They don't, they don't know how to assess the psychological uh, implications there. And we need, that's what uh, the black Lives matter thing was. And it's unfortunate that it became uh, that negative thing where it was defund the police. It's not defund the police. It's reappropriate and reallocate funds to the proper resources so that police officers don't have to be counselors and to punish them where appropriate. We're not saying, Hey, let's strip all police forces of their money. But when we see police officers becoming more like SWAT team members than, than becoming counselors and friends of the community, uh, we got a problem because what that do, what, what that's doing is that that's that disassociation. When you disassociate yourself from the community because you do not represent that community, you do not care about the outcome, and therefore you're willing to use excessive force to protect your own ass because there's a culture there to protect you from unlawful behaviors. That is what we're trying to fight at the end of the day. Yep, absolutely. So anyways, but yeah, the D factor, I think that's interesting. Um, so we, yeah, we're at uh, 1.8 out of 5. Uh, I'm pretty proud of that. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the thing. You know, if anything, I want you guys to assess and reassess what your, you know, we all hate criminals. We all hate uh, people who harm children. We all hate terrorists and terrorism. Um, but that's what that test was trying to do is to get you to think critically about where you draw the line uh, of your wrath towards those who do harm. Um, there are always mitigating circumstances. And while I want to see criminals uh, pay their due, I also don't want to live in a society that becomes so punitive that um, the wrong people are harmed. And that's what police culture is doing. It's just killing too many innocent people. And that, I'm sorry, that is just too high of a cost, I believe, of doing business as police officers. It just it has to be tackled. That does not mean that I don't love police officers. I do. I was raised with a police officer in my life. I've known police officers my whole life. In fact, when I got out of the military, I, w- I was studying uh, criminal justice. So I wanted to be a cop. So I do believe that there's a lot of police officers who do it uh, for the greater good. Um, unfortunately, even our justice system can be corrupted by these six personality traits. So we have to create a culture that addresses it. And that's what that's about. And that's what's so cool about the study here is that the D factor at the end of the day, you guys, is put in place. There's a, there's a test called the MMPI test. 
It is a psychological evaluation test that all um, police officers, uh, all security guards, all people who handle weapons, all uh, paramedics and EMTs, they all have firefighters. They all have to take this MMPI test, and what it is essentially is a psychological evaluation to determine how likely you are to um, to 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 fuck up at your job, essentially to. Go beyond. What is your sense of narcissism? What is your sense of entitlement? What is your sense of uh, of wrath towards those you don't like? And so, I, you know, like with the terrorism, for example, we can all agree that uh, terrorism is a bad thing, but it, it really helps you evaluate yourself. Too much sense of wrath. Um, what if the these terrorists were 15-year-olds who were you know, brainwashed by the older members of their tribe. Um, what is to say, you know, in other words, we have to be able to differentiate between um, radicals who are creating a culture of terrorism and uh, those who uh, become a part of terrorism to protect their own ass because there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. And that there's nuance is the nuance there. Yeah. And that's why the military nowadays is... They don't want to shoot up everything because when you blow up uh, terrorists, uh, there's collateral damage. And when you create, uh, uh, when people die, um, those sons and daughters of those who die um, are become radicalized. And so you're perpetuating, perpetuating the cycle of terrorism there. And the same goes with the cycle of abuse is that children who are abused oftentimes become abusers themselves. Uh, because they don't understand, or at least they don't have the tools to uh, break that cycle of abuse. And so that's what this whole show is about, is I want you guys to think very critically about your sense of justice. Uh, while it might seem normal and rational uh, to have a strong sense of equality and justice, like most liberals, most progressives have a very, very strong sense of equality and justice. But remember, when that can can create a lot of passion and passion can fuel hate and hate can fuel spite and spite can fuel all these other psychological traits that can inevitably make you antisocial and that antisocial behavior can in turn create criminal elements and that's what we're trying not to do what we're trying to do is create a less punitive society uh, of people you know like i said back in the 50s we did not need uh, people could take rifles to school because we could trust those teenagers and their parents to be responsible enough to bring those rifles into school without it becoming an incident. Nowadays, that sounds like crazy talk, but that's what I mean about how the uh, culture is changing. It's changing because Fox News is saying it's okay to be this way. Uh, you know, people saying, hey, you know, greed is good. Go get yours. Fuck everybody else. Um, while that may be true in some respects, um, we also have to understand the collateral damage of that selfish, sociopathic or, or selfish behavior because sometimes it creates cultures and systems that um, may not be hurting us right now but may hurt us down the road. If we had gotten another four years of Trump and that mean-spirited wrath that he has – Who's to say that we wouldn't have become a quasi-fascist or quasi-autocratic society that would have taken away not only our kindness 
and decency, but it might have actually uh, created a society much like the way uh, Nazi Germany happened. It all started very innocently, and over time, um, Hitler uh, took uh, his uh, passion to create, hey, people, don't you agree with me? Don't you agree with me? And a few years later, all of a sudden, oh, shit, he's too powerful, and then his evil intent comes out, and now he's trying to create a master race, and anybody who doesn't fit into his idea of what that perfect master race is, uh, is, is killed. And so that's the problem when we create strict rules and, and, you know, like take, for example, just here at Target, there's a tar- we have a Target uh, distribution center over here. And while I have nothing against Target and I have nothing against rules, they have quotas they have to meet. And those quotas exacerbate and perpetuate not only selfishness, but also a lack of safety because it's they're forced to work harder than they are capable. And that can uh, incite injury. And it can also incite, you know, a selfish attitude of save yourself, fuck everybody else. And so that's why we're trying to get rid of punitive attitudes because that punitive attitude might seem fine when it works in your favor, but what what do you do when the point the the fingers pointed at you? Now you now it's a problem, right? So we have to nip these things in the bud before they take over our culture. That's that's the at the end of the day what what we're talking mm-hmm. about here. Yeah. Sure. So, anyways, the D factor. <laughs> uh, so, thanks, babe. What do you think? Pretty good stuff, don't you think? Yeah, it's very interesting. Anyway, this is getting way too long. Um, sorry to go on, but I wanted to make it painstakingly clear of what our mission is: is to create a more humane uh, humanitarians. We need people. Yes, we have to become a little bit self-centered and self interested in our society because that's what society we were born into we're born into a society of i got mine so fuck the rest of you well and that forces us to have to go oh shit well i guess i better go get mine too um but at the end of the day perhaps if we create a society where more people are thinking about uh the greater good and best practices for all um we'll have a less harsh society and therefore we can start evolving evolving as a society imagine that people yes you know so <laughs> it's hard to imagine but it's yes. hard to imagine but well we were getting there and then something happened something happened 2016 happened and that's the proof that racism and um, greed and sociopathic tendencies um, sometimes it's inherent but a lot of time times it's learned it reminds me of that movie, American History X. That's such a, if you guys want to learn a perfect movie about how a racist, racism can fuel an agenda and then uh, how this person goes to prison and then learns by becoming a friend with a black person and then comes out the other side to try to get his younger brother out of that same neo-Nazi camp. That is a beautiful story. Very well told about how bad things can eventually uh, unfold to become but we have to heed the call we have to answer the call to quote 2016 ghostbusters <laughs> <laughs> we have to answer the call our conscience we you you can you can forget your conscience for a little while but at the end of the day you have to sleep with yourself you have to live with yourself so that's what we're trying to do is create a culture that 
you know, thinks a little bit less about ourselves and a little bit more about each other. Um, it's not about being hippies, but the hippie movement got one thing right, and that is uh, we should be challenging our system. We should be challenging because we're not, we, you cannot get a better society if you don't fight for it. So that's what we're trying to do is create a society where uh, the haves and have-nots don't create more greed and more selfishness, but we get to a point where people don't feel like we have to compete with one another. We can start being each other's friend. We can be each other's companions and counselors and have more good cheer. And I don't think that's some hippy-dippy thing. That is just about creating a society where we don't have to become harsh simply because our environment is harsh. That's what's happening right now. So, it is. Anyways, thank you, baby. Welcome. You fall asleep over there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, you guys. We got one more in the tank for you guys tomorrow, uh, this week. Uh, thank you guys. I hope you guys had a great Christmas. Um, I know that sometimes I'm imperfect. I say things. But at the end of the day, what we're trying to fight, you guys, is uh, fight against greed, fight against corruption, fight against backwards thinking so that we can uh, become a society where we can be proud of the country we live in you if you're proud of that flag that red white and blue then hey man that's great but make sure it's actually great don't just live behind symbols make it fucking great and mean it make it mean something you guys that's what it's all about so thank you babe for your uh thoughts and insight you it always helps me out a lot thank you so much babe anytime so we will see you one more time this week. Thank you, guys. Uh, you can reach us to continue the conversation at Chef Bry Comedy on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And Rebecca, where can we find you? Spooky nerdy gal. Shit, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Have a good day. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.